explore major life transitions, body connection and body sovereignty, healing, purpose, pleasure and how to live a life of meaning and joy in community. I'm your host Stephanie Wehowski and I'm an artist, herbalist and a mother of a seven-year-old daughter. So in this episode I want to talk about my own home birth experience mainly because I feel that we have talked a lot about free birthing and, you know, women going in the Paleolithic period to birth by themselves. But how does it work in the modern world? And just to be kind of realistic and also in regards to what women feel comfortable with these days... Um, especially if it's maybe their first pregnancy. And my home birth experience was basically neither a free birth, nor was it a hospital birth or a totally medicalized birth or even a birthing center birth. So it was kind of a combination and it worked really well for me. It was my first birth and only, and I was what, at least in the medical profession, I consider relatively old these days with 39. Oh, we have our little cat, Cosmo, coming in at this stage. So I was actually with a home birth team. So I was assigned a midwife by the NHS on the home birth team in Hackney, which has a birthing center at Homerton Hospital. And I have to admit that I didn't really super connect with the midwife, but I definitely had trust in her and I had, yeah, I felt she had a lot of experience so that made me quite comfortable and trusting. And I was also very, very lucky to actually have her there at my birth because that is um, with how the NHS works. It's definitely a big issue that there is not really any sort of continuity of care and the midwife that you might have built up a relationship with and maybe made your birth plan with might not actually be on call or doing her shift when you are going into labor. So you will just be assigned the person or the team that is working their shift at that specific time and that can be really quite difficult for women and this is why a lot of women also choose doulas because then they have continuity of care. After I had my daughter I actually joined um, something that was quite new at the time. It was called the Maternity Voices Partnership in Hackney and it was a kind of group 
that was working very closely with the maternity unit at Homerton Hospital, taking community voices into account and women's voices around birth and their birth experience. And I think it is now a nationwide thing. But yeah, I think what came up again and again was mainly the issue around continuity of care. And it is what bothered women the most or what they complained about most unless there was a specific kind of birth trauma around the birth. But anyway, so yeah, I was very lucky with that. And I was also very lucky that Hackney or Homerton Hospital had a home, an actual home birth team. Because for me, it was quite clear that I didn't really want to go into a birthing center or hospital in any way. I had also attended a Paramana doula course or a doula course with Michelle Odon and Liliana Lamas approximately two years before I gave birth. And from that, for me, it was really clear that I wanted to be at home or in a very, very safe and dark space with as little people pos uh, there possible, with as little talking, um, to do the process with as little talking as possible. So we made a birth plan and I didn't really have you know, I wasn't like super specific, but I was quite specific with a few things with my midwife. And that was that I really wanted as little disturbance as possible. Um, if possible, not have any sort of medical interference um, in regards to drugs, but they would always bring gas and air with them anyway. And they wouldn't be, she advised me that she would, they wouldn't be able to do epidurals or other things at home anyway. We would have to go to the hospital for that. So I was fine with that. Yeah, and I also mentioned that I didn't want the cord cut very quickly. I mean, I wasn't going to do a lotus birth, which my midwife had experienced. But I, yeah, I think if I was going to do the birth thing process again or gave birth again I would think a lot more about the postnatal period than I had at the time I only really thought about the pregnancy and labor and birth and I didn't think that much about the afterwards and it's probably what I have the most or some well regrets about uh, and still a little bit of sadness about but we'll come to that later so yeah the birthing okay so my labor started I was actually fixing the washing machine at home <laughs> my daughter came three days early than the set due date and yeah, I was at home and uh, sitting mainly on the floor trying to sort of like get to places to fix the washing machine. And then I started having these kind of cramps. They can be a little bit like what 
women experience as period cramps. And when the first cramp happened, you know, it lasted a few seconds. And I thought, ooh, is something happening? But it went, and then I didn't have another cramp for another 20 minutes. But after I had uh, my third cramp again, the next one came 20 minutes later, I thought, okay, I think this is the start. And my partner was present. And this was about 7 p.m. in the evening. My partner was present and his daughter also later on came over. I gave birth in the in our front room whilst they were hanging out and sleeping in our bedroom, which was great too. So the contractions, very light contractions, continued um, for quite a while, probably for about three hours, and they were slowly getting closer to each other. But yeah, it was nothing extreme. It was really just like some period cramping. And also to say about the environment. So I was very aware of the darkness through the doula course. Um, So we lit candles and we had a fire in our flat and we lit the fire and it felt really good to be with that element um not once even not during the pregnancy have I ever been attracted to use water or get a pool which is totally possible you can hire pools and so on but I I just I was just my body and everything and and probably my daughter in my belly wasn't at all attracted to it anyway and that was fine that was fine by me I was quite confident that that was right and okay again I feel some of that confidence came from having done the doula course And just to mention, I had not read a hell of a lot of books. I was pointed towards the Ina May Gaskin book as well. And I read a couple of things on pain-free birth and even sort of orgasmic birth. But it wasn't really something that probably at the time I considered possible or it seemed so far away from something that I thought I could experience that I didn't fully engage with it at the time but the idea of that birth doesn't have to be extremely painful did quite kind of appeal to me or at least that it could be in brackets easy or not extremely difficult it is really hard to recount the birthing process now um i guess because when you are in labor and you're going through the birthing process you're in such a liminal space and you totally lose track of time or i did but as far as i remember the contractions or how many women call it now the the surges 
But I really did experience it as contractions, like cramps, real sort of muscle pulling, pushing. That was my experience. So, yeah, they become much more intense, closer together. Quite often I was walking around, trying to breathe a bit. I had not done any hypnobirthing for some reason, because it was quite easy for me to go into trance. I thought that would help me in the birthing process. Yeah, I don't know. I just didn't really feel I, I needed to do the hypnobirthing. And retrospectively, I would probably now look at like some good breathing exercises to sit with the surges in labor. So, and then the, yeah, contractions became much, much more intense and so close together. And they were asking, the midwives were asking us to sort of time them. And, you know, it was coming up to the sort of four minute mark. And I think that was the mark when we were supposed to like call. And that is definitely not one of my favorite parts of the birth story because this whole thing of having to go on the phone and talk to somebody whilst I was in labor, I found that really counterproductive. I had to talk. Um, I didn't want to talk. I actually got my partner to call, but in the end they had to pass the phone to me. And yeah, I was I was quite angry. I was quite angry that I had to I had to talk to somebody. But they called the midwife and the midwife came and it was my midwife. And then there's another protocol on the NHS which they have to do, which also I found invasive. And I was a bit angry about, but I let her do it because otherwise she basically would have to leave, she said. I don't know. But she checked me and I was over four centimeters dilated. So they stayed. Otherwise, also, they said they had to leave again, which I think that is mainly all about how the NHS works and tries to be more efficient but it's really not a protocol that is good for the birthing woman and the birthing process anyways she stayed and also her assistant came another midwife but from that moment on I'm not sure that I really remember a hell of a lot I remember that my partner used a tense machine on me, which we put onto my back and possibly onto my belly. I'm not quite sure. And that was actually quite good. It seemed to take the edge off because I was having such intense and painful surges, especially towards when the crowning happened, that he was operating the tense machine well firstly I thought it, it did take the edge off a little bit <laughs> of the pain that I was experiencing and it gave him something to do which I think if you have partners or other people present that have maybe not been part of such 
and experience for them having something to do can be really, really useful because the last thing that a woman during this time needs is anyone else to worry or there to be worry or fear in the room because that can really interrupt her process because in the end, if she experiences worry or fear, that will release adrenaline and the adrenaline will block oxytocin. So I thought that was really good and it, it made him involved in the process as well. Yeah, the only thing I can remember is how intense and how painful those surges were. And I think I screamed like a proper primal scream a couple of times and I was shaking and then from nowhere this voice came at a certain point because I was hyperventilating uh, because it was so intense the pain and I was shaking so much I was breathing very fast and I just heard the midwife's voice saying you need to calm your breathing breathe like this and she would do it and, and and I heard her um that was one of the two times that she actually kind of intervened and I heard this voice coming through like just a fog which I'm really grateful for because she was really really helpful in those moments and I feel I wouldn't have been really able to handle those kind of situations on my own yeah and just in the moment that I thought I can't take this anymore it is yeah, too intense, too painful. In that moment, I sort of vaguely remember having these like waves of emotions. And I do not know if I spoke it out, but I definitely thought it. I just thought, just cut her out. Well, cut her out. I didn't mention that I did have a couple of scans ultrasound scans during my pregnancy but um, my partner and I both decided that we didn't want to know the sex of the baby so I say this uh, postnatally so to say yeah and just in that moment where I was totally surrendering or I was basically giving up. I said, I cannot do this anymore. Someone just take her out of me. Let's go to the hospital. Cut her out, please. That was actually the moment that the, the crowning happened. So the, the actual birthing process started. So her head locked into the birthing canal. So that took about three hours. Um, the midwife said that that, was actually really quick labor didn't feel like it to me it felt more like a marathon so yeah the what they class as the actual birthing period happened I was just at that stage where I just really wanted to have it over and done with <laughs> um, that's how I felt and so I I just pushed it wasn't something that I ever thought I needed to do, 
But I just wanted the baby out. I just wanted the baby out. So I pushed. And that was the second time when um, the voice of the midwife reached my ears through the fog. And she said, stop pushing. And I thought that was really interesting. Because, yeah, from to a degree from how we are conditioned through media and television of that's what we have to do we have to push to get the baby out but she actually said stop pushing it's it's not great it's too fast and too much pressure and the baby will come out by itself yeah and that was the second time the midwife was really, really helpful and I'm really grateful for her being there and for her intervention. And I was on the sofa at this stage. I was on my hands and knees. I was actually grabbing onto the back of the sofa also when when I had the really strong surges. And just to say... If you are going to have a home birth and you live in a flat or have direct neighbors, better inform them. <laughs> because my primal screaming must have woken everybody up in the block. Yeah, and hopefully didn't worry anyone. And the only other thing I really remember is that I had like quite intense, sharp pain in my clitoral area and I'm guessing that was when the head was coming through and it was a tearing pain and I was at the time I mean there was nothing I can do everything was just happening by itself but I did have a worry at the time that that actually that whole area would have torn and I don't know that my clitoris would be damaged. I was really quite um, worried about that. But obviously that happened and just needed to be dealt with afterwards. And I think they had to catch my daughter. And that only took about, I think, 15 to 17 minutes or so. The midwife told me afterwards. Then she she was put onto my belly with her umbilical cord still attached and I can sort of vaguely remember that the midwife held her up and she said oh look my daughter's umbilical cord was actually in between her legs so I thought she was a boy and I said oh it's a boy and they were like oh no it's it's a girl anyway I was so so kind of I mean I was quite ecstatic because, well, I don't know, I guess it's a, like an incredible rush of hormones. But also, I was just glad it was over. <laughs> and she was put on my belly and she actually did find the breaths. They helped me a little bit with that because I was basically not really um, able, I think, to do a lot, to be honest. And she latched on. And they were quite happy about that in the end. And I guess she got the colostrum, so that was great. 
Although I did have problems with breastfeeding in the next days, which I will go into later. And yeah, and so she was born. My midwife tried keeping out of the way as much as possible, which was really lovely of her because I had expressed that wish. But then I was sort of lying there with my baby and I think I passed her on to her dad and to her sister at a certain point. And I think the umbilical cord was cut after probably about half an hour or so because... I was experiencing some pressure, which was obviously the placenta, and the placenta wasn't really, wasn't coming out. Um, I was still sitting on the sofa, and I was getting quite uncomfortable with it. So I think that was the time the umbilical cord was cut, and in a way, I... Hi, Cosmo. If there was a second time, I would try and elongate that period but also I would very much think about what to do with this placenta. So yes the birthing of the placenta. The placenta wasn't coming out so my midwife suggested to me to go to the toilet and she put a bucket in the toilet and actually I sat on the toilet and the placenta came. It was really quick and that wasn't really an issue and again I'm grateful for that she suggested for me to sort of squat or sit down and do this but now the thing about not thinking about the postnatal period came into play I didn't really have a plan for my placenta I mean, you can obviously get the placenta prepared and freeze-dried and so you can eat it afterwards because it's very nourishing. Which even now I would maybe have a little bit of it. But really my feeling is that I would have liked to bury the placenta. And in the meantime, I have also heard about people making placenta pictures, which I think would have been a really lovely thing too. And then I would have liked to keep the placenta and bury it in the earth. But unfortunately, I didn't think of that. And it is something, although I guess everything else went relatively well with the birth, is something I, I still feel quite sad about when I think about the placenta just being wrapped in this plastic and taken away and thrown into like a medical waste bin yeah it still makes me sad thinking about that that's definitely something that I feel women should be encouraged to think about more and probably at least from my perspective and from my experience, it would also be great if midwives and other women could inform women who give birth for the first time what those days after would be like and that they should really rest because their body has gone through quite a major trauma. There is still quite heavy bleeding. To be honest, I didn't stop bleeding for probably five to six weeks after birth. 
Some women heal more quickly, but there's still quite a lot of blood, a lot of blood after the birth, the first three days or so. And it's starting to get less and less, but I still had trickling after about, yeah, six weeks. And your vulva and the whole area is still really sore. I mean, the midwife, she looked at me and she said there were only like first degree tears and there wasn't really an issue. But just going to the toilet, having a wee, it burned so much. I also remember experiencing farting came partly through my vagina after birth so there must have been some perinatal tearing possibly there was a point when I thought that there was a hole or a gap in the perinatal wall from the rectum to the vagina I mean in many cultures they have a total of like 40 days or something like six week period after birth where the woman doesn't really and the child doesn't really leave their home and in some cultures they also don't have this custom that too many people would visit during this time really the visiting would happen after that period or the women would you know come out again because energetically our bodies have opened up so much and here's also this new being which is energetically quite open and I feel till a woman got something done like a closing the bones ceremony possibly I also feel it would be very very useful for her to stay in her home I didn't do that. I didn't actually do a closing the bones massage and ceremony in brackets or something like a kind of binding ritual till probably a couple of years after my daughter's birth. And that is definitely something I also would plan and think about if, if I would ever give birth again for the postnatal period. Yeah, so the healing took quite long. Um, my clitoris, in the end, was not damaged, but weeing or urinating was painful for a very long time. Very long time. And then, obviously, also the breast milk production starts. And we could probably do another podcast just, just on <laughs> breastfeeding and the difficulties of breastfeeding. Because I think women are not really properly informed about this kind of stuff. No one informs them about it. There's also all kinds of pressure from various sources, really. You know, if it is just that a lot of women have in their head that they have to breastfeed their baby and that it is the best, which, yes, it would be the best if we... <laughs> Maybe if we breastfeed our babies, but sometimes this is not possible. And having the kind of this kind of pressure on you during this time is really, really unhelpful. So it would be interesting to look to look at different experiences around breastfeeding, I feel. So I definitely I had problems as well. 
and just really simple problem that a lot of women have because I think a lot of women just think, oh yeah, put the baby on the breast and then it's fine. But actually for the baby to latch on properly, they have to really open their mouth and put like their, their lips and gums fully over your aureola and that often doesn't happen, um, not sort of automatically. And then if the baby hasn't latched on properly and they are sucking, and this is what happened to me, they are just sucking at the end of your nipple and it becomes so sore. I mean, after a couple of days, my nipples were so sore, they were actually bleeding. And I was pumping off some milk because I thought I cannot do this because it's so painful and it's obviously bleeding there was blood in the milk and I thought if this goes on I cannot continue I won't be able to continue so in the end I was actually really lucky because one of the postnatal midwives that came which wasn't my midwife but it was another midwife on the home birth team she was also a breastfeeding specialist so when she came to see me uh, two or three days after the birth and saw what was going on she was helping me in trying to get my daughter to latch on properly and there are kind of like certain in brackets techniques but just on how you are holding the head of the baby and how you're holding them on your arm and if if you hold them sort of like by their neck and let them really open their mouth and then put your breast in at a certain time. That is when I learned how to guide the latching on process. My nipples healed within a day or two. And after that, I was able to breastfeed. And that whole breastfeeding journey of leaking nipples and so on and so on is probably worth an own podcast episode, I fear. I did leave the house after maybe a couple of days or so, or three days. I thought I'll take my baby in a sling and go for a little walk. I was still in a wonderful place and it was a nice little walk but I totally overestimated how sore and yeah wounded I guess I, I'm still my insides were still my uterus my vagina my lower abdomen in general and I didn't actually go very far I walked around the block so to say the neighborhood and then I felt I this was too much. And also carrying my baby at the same time whilst all this area is so sore. I thought it was actually not a very good idea um, to do <laughs> afterwards. But what was wonderful, and I mean there I experienced how energetically open one still is I was just looking at everything and everything was alive I just felt connected to everything and the whole world looked new I remember that quite vividly when I was looking at the trees and the leaves or the 
I think there were like some dead leaves being blown off the trees and I just felt, because it was in December, early December, I just remember that and I remember how new and wonderful everything felt. So that was the positive or the positive side of that little walk outside. But on the other hand, I felt it was also too early and too much. So that was the birth of my daughter. It makes sense, that kind of 40-day period that I talked about. You know, there's this new being, your baby, and you need to start getting to know each other. You might, you have to heal. Your body has to heal. Um, you need a lot of rest. I mean, they sleep a lot. And mum should probably sleep a lot. And then just the whole journey of getting used to the breastfeeding. And the mother needs a lot of nourishment throughout the breastfeeding, you know, producing that milk takes also quite a toll on your body. Um, that's another aspect of breastfeeding that nobody really talks about. Yeah, I feel that 40-day resting period is very, very important. And that women don't get up and start doing the housework and all of that, which so often happens these days. And I probably did too. I can't really remember that well. I, re I do remember those first weeks and even months, although my partner did go back to work. I remember them fondly. But yeah, my daughter also, till she had her first growth spurt with sort of four or five months, she slept quite well. She slept in at least four hours stints during the night. So I only needed to breastfeed once a night, I think. Yeah, I got quite a bit of rest. Which is good. So I hope this has given you all an insight into how the process was for me and how a home birth can be and that sort of engagement with midwives can actually be a real posit positive thing, very helpful. And I hope it has taken away some fear that some of you might have around home birth. I would like to make a couple of corrections here as well. Some stuff I was getting wrong in the podcast when I was recording. Firstly, I talk about the perinatal wall and what I was really meaning is the perineum and then up from the perineum, the actual tissue that separates the vagina from the rectum. That is known as the rectovaginal septum. And also it should be that I underestimated and not overestimated how sore I still was a few days after birth. If you're enjoying this podcast and find the subjects interesting, I would so appreciate uh, you taking the time to write a quick review on the podcast platform that you use, especially with Apple, Spotify or YouTube. It helps so much in getting the podcast out there to more people. Oh, and visit my website on www.mothermouth.co.uk and subscribe if you like to.
You will only be contacted when new episodes are available. Thank you so much and thank you for being here. Bye for now. Till next time. Thank you.